Uh, welcome back to another episode of the How Did I Get Here podcast, a podcast for positivity, progression, to help you find your own path. We are kicking off season six. Yeah. Season wow. six. Um, wow, wow, it's your wow. co-host, Jake, Mr. Brown, Broken, Ugly, Living the Dream. Uh, it's your boy, Spence, King Aquarius, gang, gang. He don't like it. Look, you saw that? <laughs> are y'all into, y'all into astrology, zodiacs, or anything like that? No? Yeah. Do you know what your sign is? I don't know. When's your birthday? February. What? Ninth. Hey, that's the day before mine. You're Aquarius. Mm. Oh, yeah. I knew. I, knew, I didn't know that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know but see, it's not important. <laughs> When's your birthday? Uh, January 14th. What's oh, that? Two days ago? Capricorns? Yeah. Capricorn. Okay. Gang, Yo, gang. What's up? I don't know. Queen Sagittarius just sounds like weird to me. Queen Sagittarius? Oh, King. King. My bad. <laughs> King Sagittarius just sounds a little Aquarius. Yeah, I don't know. It's the disrespect. Oh, Aquarius. Oh, my bad. Not Sagittarius. It's the disrespect for me. Can we introduce our guests? Yeah, you know how I do this you, all this is day. Your um, folks. So, I feel like I would not do you guys any justice. So, if you guys want to introduce yourselves um, to the people, <laughs> my bad. Cool. All right, um, you can go first. We'll just keep it going around. There you go, ladies first. So, my name is Lindsay. I how much like introduction do you want? Whatever you want. We got time. So, Give a thirty second synopsis. No, I, <laughs> so um, I'm from Glastonbury, <laughs> Connecticut, and I went to school at Glastonbury High School. But I went to college um, and ran track in um, kind of a few different places. But I started at UConn, and then I, I ran at University of Oregon, and then I did grad Ooh. school at University of New Mexico. Um, and then, so I was track athlete there, and then I moved over to coaching, and I started at Iowa State for a year, and then I, um, then I took an assistant job at Drake University, and then a year later I um, got offered a position at UConn as a head track coach, a uh, head cross country coach and track coach. That's so, dope. and yeah, it's been I've been there for three years so far. So, dope. Yeah, that's my story. Nice. That's, you you can follow up with that part? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to see. Uh, but my name is Rashawn Daly. I was born in Jamaica. I grew up in uh, Bloomfield, Connecticut. Um, a current professional soccer player. Uh, I am the founder of Rula Sports Empowerment. And I like to consider myself a family man. Uh, family means everything to me. So that's really me in a nutshell right there right now. That's dope. You have a family? Um, like kids? not my own kids, but that my mom, about. my dad, uh, my brothers. I have a small family, so um, yeah, we're real close. My uh, immediate family, at least, That's that dope. migrated over from Jamaica. So we try to stick together and support each other. Cool. You the oldest? I am not. I have two older brothers. Oh, yeah. There's oh. one older than Nick. Uh, yeah, Raymond. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So I played with his middle brother, one of his older brothers in high school. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, you played with Nick. Nick is the oldest. Oh, Nick's brother. the oldest. Yeah. Oh. And then okay. Raymond is the, the middle older brother. middle. Me. Got you. Then my little brother Rulon. Got you. Got you. That's yeah. dope. That's dope. So we will keep things rolling. Um, you got a question for the people? Or? I do. So, question is, if you had thirty days left to live. What would be the last thing you ate? 
Ooh. The last thing I ate. That's a good question. Does it have to be like like do you like meal? Yeah, why not? So like my death row dinner. Um I'ma get you never heard that saying before? Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. <laughs> my death row dinner is gonna have some pedni, right? Me being Puerto Rican, just some nice fatty, greasy pork mm. with some rice and beans. With uh, some honey barbecue wings as appetizers, wrapped in bacon. <laughs> um, with, Is that a thing? You, you never had wings wrapped in bacon? Honey barbecue wings wrapped in bacon? Yeah. That sounds delicious. It's great. I'll make it for you sometime. My guy. Um, with three Long Islands, sweet tea, and a cheesecake to top it off. Let me ask I'm you dying. If... After you die, that taste sticks with your soul forever. So for eternity, you're going to be tasting whatever you just ate. I'll be Does so, that change your answer? Listen, I just named like <laughs> my five favorite things from the Long Island to the sweet tea, cheesecake, and the bacon. I'm happy. Right. If that's my last meal I ever get to eat, I'm with it. Dope. What about y'all? Um, I would have to say some home-cooked curry chicken mm. from my mom with white rice. With some fried plantains on the side. That just shitted on my answer. But it would it would have to be like the whole chicken cut up. Because curry chicken is my favorite food. But whenever it's like the chicken breast by itself, yeah, it's, for some reason, it just doesn't hit the same. It's because it's too dry. Like yeah, you need that's some dark exactly meat. right there. That's a fact. Mm-hmm. I definitely don't have it. If you say grilled cheese, I swear. No, <laughs> no, no. no I'm, I'm in between like a breakfast assortment, like waffles and pancakes and like scrambled Ooh. eggs okay. and like bacon or but i also love like tacos and burritos so you know i i think i would since i think i'd go to the breakfast you I could have a breakfast taco I could. that's big in I texas could do, i could yeah I, I i do love waffles though so mm. i'd probably do the breakfast like waffles pancakes scrambled eggs this i'm hungry as hell now yeah i've been hungry that's why i thought it was <laughs> um for me, I'm doing a sushi boat. Wow. Like, okay. this entire table just rolls on top of rolls on top of sashimi and a strawberry shortcake for dessert. Ooh. Some alcohol involved, but you you were in depth with yours. I wasn't expecting that. With the alcohol or the food? With everything, from top to <laughs> bottom. Dessert, I would need an ice cream sandwich, or cookie sandwich. Ooh. Like, chocolate chip cookies with ice cream in the middle. Man. Fresh cookie? Yeah. Yeah. I've like, never done like that. Yeah. What? Like a fresh baked yeah. cookie? Yeah. Two of them thanks. <laughs> in between? With your favorite ice cream in between? Yeah. Oh, oh man. It, sexual tonight. You, you know what I like about this? Is like, whenever you ask questions, I never know what you're going to ask, but it always somehow transitions into the topic. Um, and before we hop into the topic and we transition... I want to shout out Key Bookstore doo, 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 for doo, allowing us doo. to record here again. Get all your book needs from here. We'll tag them and everything that we do. Um, but everything that we named was a sort of like comfort. You know what I mean? Comfort food brought some sort of peace to us, right? And um, mm-hmm. what we're going to be talking about today is like mental health and sports because all three of us, well, four of us were slash are athletes. Oh, yeah. um, or whatever. So I think <clears throat> one thing people don't talk about enough is just mental health and sports. And there was some sort of comfort in all our answers. You know what I mean? So yeah. as professional athletes, a very successful collegiate athlete, 
retired, fat, and lazy and Spencer. Um, <laughs> athlete. High school, sports. <laughs> but um, where do you guys find comfort, you know, when you guys are getting ready to play um, or coach? And I know the beauty about this is, like, we could speak from both sides of it, and we'll get to the coaching side. I know you coach as well. But where do you guys find comfort, you know, before you guys hop into, like, playing or training or whatever? For me, I find that in my routine, mm. I feel like um, just like playing around with certain things, finding a routine that works for me, and then before I play, it's almost like, like I describe it almost like a time, like a um, what's that thing called where you got like the sand falling through the hourglass. The yeah. hourglass. So it's almost like in my everyday life, I'm here, and with my routine, it brings me here where I'm more focused and mm. just having those things to lead up to time to compete helps me a lot. I think as an athlete and I guess with like track and field specifically, running can be, distance running specifically can be like monotonous and no one really wants to go out for these long runs every single day <laughs> when it's bad weather. Um, but I think the biggest thing that provides comfort is knowing that you have, first of all, a team that supports you no matter what every day. Um, and then a huge thing that made me successful as an athlete was knowing, picking the coaches that I knew believed in me. Like, mm -hmm. I could always perform past my fitness because I knew my coach believed in me. Right. Um, like, I can go, I'd probably be unprepared maybe to do what I did every time, but somehow that extra push always i knew because my team and my coach was you know there. had your back mm -hmm. yeah that <clears throat> for me one of my biggest things was that if i knew i had somebody that believed in me i all that other stuff didn't really mm -hmm. matter you know what i mean because it was like even if i messed up and you know growing up playing for oakwood mm -hmm. and you too how mm -hmm. high demand it was mm -hmm. you know what i mean but it was like the good coaching staff kind of alleviated that yeah and it's something that you said, and I just want to play devil's advocate, um, routine, right? So I used to try and set a routine, but for me, I'm so superstitious that I ever, like, if one thing was off, like, I would feel in my head, like, oh, shit, now I'm going to play bad because I didn't eat my Cheerios today. <laughs> like, you know, you ever feel like play those mental games with your head if, like, your routine or for superstition, one, are there any superstitions? And if it's messed up, you ever feel like now you're playing a mental game with yourself? Um, <clears throat> no, like personally, I haven't been a big superstitious person, but I do feel, you know, like say, for example, I know I have a big game the next day or something like that. I will kind of be a bit more, you know, like intentional with how I plan my day the next day to make sure that all the things that I like to do to get myself prepared, I have time to do it. Right. Whereas there's definitely days, a lot of days when I wake up and, you know, you stay in bed an extra 10 minutes or whatever the case may be and just having my coffee or my tea or something like that on the way to training with the right music kind of mm -hmm. brings me back to that place. Which So to answer your question, I don't get that deep into it where it's like I miss this thing and then it's like, oh, <laughs> shit, like I, I even want to go to training right yeah. now. Yeah, I don't I don't think being that rigid with your like routine is a good thing. I think it's 
for an athlete, you just need to be a steady. Like, you're going to be a better athlete and just to learn how to be steady at all times rather right. than, like, being all high and low. Um, but for me, I didn't – I'm very just, like, easygoing, I guess. So I knew if I even felt really bad on warm-up or felt really bad that day, I knew I was still going to be okay. So yeah. I think once you get through those, like, games or you get through those races that you still performed feeling – pretty bad um then you really can take on anything right those those mental blocks could be some of like the biggest Mm -hmm. biggest hassles you know what i mean like i remember sometimes being in warm-ups and then just being like damn i don't feel like doing this today or like yo what if you know or i'm gonna score today and i would almost like play those mental tricks with myself to psych myself up or but those are the biggest <clears throat> accomplishments when you get through those games or right. those races. When you do perform, like, well, when you did tell yourself at the beginning that you didn't want to do it. Or you got through that workout and you told yourself that you didn't want to do it before. So I think those are the, the biggest accomplishments. How do you guys deal with, like, anxiety leading up to games or races and then in, during races and stuff like that? Um, <clears throat> I think... Just using a couple of things like before races, well, not races for me, before games and so forth, I like to meditate. Mm. Um, I like to listen to music. I like to read. Um, during games, I like to use a technique, uh, self-talk. So I just like continue to talk to myself in a positive way, um, trying to stay present in the moment to just kind of get rid of the nerves. But really and truly, I feel like getting myself to that steady place like you were saying before the game and then once the game comes like nerves are are gonna be there like I feel like you right. know, that that's normal but once the game gets going and talking to myself talking to my teammates to organize them that kind of keeps me into the moment even when the ball isn't on my feet you know so that right. kind of brings me through the game I think like a technical sport like soccer is different than race like yeah. track and field or racing um, <clears throat> uh, i personally think like when i in the morning of a race or for me what works is just talking to my like teammates talking to my coach i think the more that i don't think about the race mm-hmm. the better because once i know i'm out there like i'll be fine yeah. so usually i just keep myself busy like i'd rather not be like alone on race morning i'd rather be like with my teammates and my coach and acting like a normal day Um, yeah and then obviously do all the prep work that needs to happen like the day of and the morning of but really just keeping yourself busy is is how i would deal with my nerves see i was i was the worst when i was started playing overseas i would have i would go out the night before and i would either like watch a movie and have at least one beer just because it's like like I'm not thinking about mm-hmm. it, right? And then on the way to every game, I'd have a small bag of Skittles and an apple, because to me it was just like Skittles, my favorite candy, and then the apple was just like healthy. I don't know, <laughs> so, <laughs> but it was just one of those things. And like I remember being younger, sometimes taking things too serious. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like thinking, especially when like college started coming to play, like yo, you got to play good or you're not gonna get a scholarship, or putting that unnecessary pressure. Whereas, like, the older I got, was like, there's always another game. There's yeah. always, like, that next day, that yeah. next training, that next play, that next race. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I learned kind of to, like, have more fun with it than 
always take it so serious. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, you play sports, even with your flag football. Yeah. I mean, you take that serious, although it's... Yeah, I'm not like any of y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for you to say something. Um, yeah, no, nah, I don't... Uh, I listen to music. I'll pump myself up, but I don't want to talk to anybody. I'm literally playing out the entire game in my head. I'm thinking about who I'm playing against, the tape that I've watched, their weaknesses, my strengths, how I can compensate. I'm in my head the entire time. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's like... I. I'm a very analytical person, so I can't. I couldn't. I don't think I could thrive playing a professional sport because of the way I think. I would drive myself nuts. It's overthinking. Yeah. Strategically. <laughs> <laughs> How much of of sports do you guys think is mental? Because I so I had my middle school gym teacher, and I still talk to him to this day. Gave me a quote. He said, uh, "Life in sports is ninety percent mental, ten percent physical." And I changed it a bit to say 85% mental, 10% physical, 5% emotional, right? So if you can do it all, if mm-hmm. you're bad at math, it equals 100%. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know what I mean? And like, kind of especially said, like, he's overthinking everything. And like... I don't consider... Not overthinking. Overthink. You, you, you think about everything, right? Yeah. But like, there are times where I used to go watch game film. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. like, on the field, I also used to talk a lot of shit. I mean, you even now I still talk shit, but it's like, because I could back it up. You know what I mean? And it's also, if I could get in your head, you're more now worried about me than the actual game itself. So the mental side of it is just as much of a battle as the physical and, and all that. And if you can't control your emotions, well, then you're already out of the game. So how right. much of the of sports do you think is mental? I mean, like I said before, I always thought I overly ex- like raced. So... Because I had a team or a coach behind me. Mm-hmm. So I do think a lot of it is, I mean, a lot of it is mental, give or take. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, I do I do think sports um, is, it's hard to say a percentage because I think different sports are different. Right, right, but, right. Um, but, yeah, I think majority, like, the mental state goes a long way. And as a coach, I see that a lot. Like, right. as, like, maybe my athletes – they, they don't work out great sometimes, but they race, like, over my expectations. Mm. Um, so, like, they can be some teams that are really, really good, but I, when I tell them that the workouts that we do compared to other nationally ranked teams, right. we're not even on the same level. So right. that's why I do think sometimes if they, like, it just depends the athletes you have, the their mindset going in. Like, if I provide a good culture, the team wants to be there for each other, mm. that goes a lot further than just being run run you know yeah yeah. if they're all separate individuals and don't want it for each other who's gonna win that last like 800 or in a 5k race or who's gonna so yeah i think it is majority mental so question for you if like say from a like a runner standpoint with a sport where you run the 400 that's one lap around the track Mm -hmm. you have trained your whole life to do that you know how you can run that race and so forth how much do you think like your mental state on race day affects your performance in a race that you know like that seems so like routine mm-hmm. like it's one lap around the track well your mental state with nerves like in the 400 you can't make a mistake mm, or in, it's that quick. like so if you make a mistake like how can you deal with your nerves 
you know, getting off the blocks and and making that right move or like it's like a quick second. So if you are too nervous to, you know, do everything perfectly, then you won't be able to have that, you know, that PR or that what you need to run. Right. So I think it's just how you deal with your um, those like quick races that you can't make a mistake. You mm-hmm. just have to know how to deal with your nerves. Cool. But yeah, it is like routine usually. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you guys ever have a feel of failure? Wait, hold on. Oh, he oh, didn't get bad. the answer. Oh, my bad. <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it depends. Like, because like when we're talking about sports, are we talking about like in high competition right now at this moment, or just like all the way across the board? All the way across the, way. the board. Because I mean, I guess I would have to say that most of it is mental. I'd have to go with. 80% but it's almost unfair to say like 20% physical because it's almost like all you need to be paying attention to all those things but right. I think the issue comes in that people don't pay attention to the mental side and mm-hmm. that side you know more times than not falls off this way so for me I would have to say they're all equally as important but just in terms of you know we could get real technical like like you have to be in the right mental state to get right, up and go right. train and all that. I would say more mental in that sense. The reason I think mental and obviously like the numbers, there's no like actual science to break it yeah. down and whatever. Um, the reason I think mentality is so strong because like when you have coming from mentality is your dedication, is your motivation, is your you know all those mm-hmm. things is like how bad do you want it? You know what I mean? Like. Mm-hmm. That is then going to contribute to how hard you work out, how much you push in a game, how fast you race. Like at the end of a 800 or a 5K, everyone's tired, but at then it comes down to like how bad do you want it? You know what I mean? You can. So where does heart come into play? That comes into the mental to me. Does it? Because I feel like your heart is where it's like. Welcome to the conversation, buddy. I listen, I'm just listening. <laughs> I'm just listening. Um, yeah, because like. I guess as far as racing, um, running around the track, <clears throat> when does your heart come into play with that 100? Like, when that person's right next to you, like, oh, shit, do I have anything left in the tank? I got to. Or do you just like, well, fuck it, they beat me? I think, I just think the shorter events, like the 100 and, like, the, the dash are more so technical okay. that yeah. it comes with, like, being able to hit those small moves, like, and being able to strong, being so able to be strong enough. Mm-hmm. Like, 1600 a mile. But okay. even that is probably like a sprint, because you said there's people running 5Ks at 14 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. But, so, like, so, the difference between going, like, sub four in a mile and four, uh, like, 20s through four. a 5K. <laughs> I knew a I kid in never. middle school who ran it in four minutes. I was like, this is nuts. In middle school. Middle school. I remember Andrew Pro. Shout out Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man took off. And we were just like, is this a joke? Because, you know, everyone starts off hot. And eventually, yeah. oh, they get slowed down. My man did not slow down. He just finished. He's like, all right, cool. I'm going to drink some water. I'm like, what are you doing in your free time? I'm like, what's you? <laughs> yeah. No, but I, I think, like, the shorter events, I do think there's heart like that maybe that lasts a little bit, but I do think the heart will come more into those distance events. Right. You are so fatigued and so tired and maybe have like a mile left or, but you have to do it for your team or something, or you have to do it to run this time. Um, that's when the heart comes into play or the, the competitive, you know, 
person that comes into play. Mm. To me, it's like those kind con- like Rashawn was saying earlier, like, you know, sometimes you have little conversations with yourselves. I've had like 80th minute, 85th minute, like, um, all right, I'm, I know I'm tired, but so is everyone else. Like, am I just going to die? Like, I remember my, my very last professional game I ever played. Uh, we were playing at Tiguan Barbuda, right? And every time somebody would come to get subbed on, in my head, I was like, I'm about to get out this game. Yo, I'm tired. Like, for me, it was like, yeah, like, I'm ready to get out this game. Oh, looked up at the board, somebody else's number. I was like, damn, all right, he's about to come get me. And it was just like, nope, still. And then last sub was made like at i think 75th 80th minute right and it was like all right you had 15 minutes to figure out because at that point we were up three nothing but it was like all right you got 15 minutes to not fuck this up you Mm. know what i mean because like you're tired but guess what so is the guy on the other team you got to find that heart dig deep to be like all right we're gonna Mm -hmm. put this together or i'm gonna hold my part you know i mean and that's mental because you are having those conversations with yourself those battles or whatever that you could either stop right there or keep pushing through. So for someone who, <clears throat> excuse me, who has that heart and can dig deeper than say the person next to them, like what is it in them? Do you think they they find where they can find that motivation? Like what whatever, I think part of it is like your motivation and your why. You know, like why mm-hmm. am I doing this? Um, and for me personally, I could say like that's partially why I stopped playing because like I got burnt out and I wasn't enjoying it anymore. But like my reason for playing, I almost lost it in my head. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like before it was just like, all right, I need a pro contract. I need to do this. I need to do that. And it's like, that's not motivation. That's taking the fun out of it. You know what I mean? But then right. almost like you said, you know, my family, the fun, the joy, the this, the that that's where you find that, all right, keep going. Like, I know little Jimmy that follows me on Instagram is watching this game right now. I want to show him what fighting looks like. You know, little things like that. My team on the bench, they fought so hard to get us up 3-0. I'm going to fuck this up? Nah, you know what I mean? Just finding those why, for me at least, to why am I playing to keep pushing through? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Mm-hmm. No, I totally agree with that because I feel like, the more you're clear on that stuff, the like you said, the more your motivation will be. Mm-hmm. And there's this guy that I listen to a lot. His name is Brian Kane, and he has like the ten pillars of mental performances and motivation. And hmm, what is it? Motivate. It's motivation and something is one of the pillars. And within that, their techniques is to like continue to define your why. And even like break it down, like ask yourself why, like if it's family, ask yourself mm-hmm. why family. And once you kind of like get a clear idea of that, that's where you can always, you know, like dig deep and find that, like that, that extra little push. last bit that you probably don't even think you have in the games. And sometimes as athletes, and I feel like when I used to run track, I experienced this is a lot where it's almost like you're running, you're tired and you're running and you're doing the relays and you know that your last three teammates just went, just went and you hear someone's footsteps coming behind you and it's like something just takes over your body and you just get an extra kick. And I feel like that's where that all comes from. That's what I was going to ask because y'all a bunch of running mofos. <laughs> um, so a second wind, right? Mm-hmm. Is that mental? Is that heart? Or is that literally your body saying, all right, we got more? Um, I think, well, 
I don't know. But I do think that usually, like, in the middle of a race, there's usually, like, a point that that you decide that you want it or don't want it. And that's mm. usually um, when you win that battle, I would say that's, that's the, the second, second wind. That's interesting. Um, He's like, I won't get tired. <laughs> <laughs> I would say I agree. Um, I agree with what you just said. I think, you know, it's almost like you push yourself. Like, for example, in soccer, for me personally, when you're coming in, I know you can attest to this. When you're coming off the bench versus starting a game, it's a whole different ball game. You literally come off the bench in the 80th minute to finish a game in the 90th minute, and it's, it almost feels harder than starting the game from zero minute to 60th minute. Because you got to get warm. Yeah, so it's almost like I feel like a part of it is physical where your body warms up into it mm. and be able to go, mm-hmm. but. I, I I cannot say anything, you know, against what she's just said. Like, I feel like that moment when you decide that you want it and you get that extra kick is definitely there. No, I agree. I think the warming up also. Sometimes it does take. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, I do think, like, sometimes people feel better as they go on um, just because they maybe get in rhythm or maybe they, like, uh, just get more into it. Um, but I think, yeah, I think there's different, I guess, reasons for a second wind. How about you? Uh, I think part of it is a calming of the nerves. Um, the first, like, 10, 15 minutes of some games, like bigger games or whatever, you're hi- hyped up off adrenaline, mm-hmm. and you might have made five extra runs that you probably shouldn't have <laughs> made, but you're like, oh, I can do it. And then your leg, your adrenaline's coming down, and your body's finally meeting here, right? And it's like, okay, I'm not nervous anymore. Now we're in this game. Mm-hmm. How can I calm my ass down and, like – figured this out now mm-hmm. so i think it's a, it's a a calming of the nerves but i also agree with what they're saying is but at the end of the day it's like ain't nothing worse than playing 80 minutes of soccer and then you got to still make a sprint an 80 yard sprint in that 85th minute and it's like how the hell am i gonna do this <laughs> and you you feel like you're not really running but you really are but your legs are heavy and it's just like you find the will to just push through it. I don't know if that really answered your question. Yeah, that was sound, sound nuts. You guys ever have? You want to try it one day? Nah. I play in a men's league. You come play with us on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I'll watch. Um, I'll record. You guys ever have feel fear of failure? All the time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Speak on that. Oh, um, <laughs> you answered. The yeah, question. my bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that's my that's my intrinsic motivation is like i just i hate failing my mentor told me when like when he became my mentor he's like yeah you got to learn to fail i'm like what are you talking about like i need a new mentor (laughs) (laughs) you're talking crazy man um but yeah he said i have to learn how to fail because at that time i was just annihilating everything like yo do this all right boom got it top of the leaderboards boom 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 always number one and he's like yeah you got to learn to fail i was like I don't know what you mean. Like, that doesn't sound fun. Until I failed, and I was just like, yo, this sucks. And because I'm <laughs> mm-hmm. like, I guess because I'm not accustomed to it, it probably hit me harder than someone else who's like, I guess who's done it more. Because to me, I'm just like, I'm not used to this. Like, right. I'm always on top. I'm always mm-hmm. winning, always winning. Damn, I failed, and then I failed hard. And then it was just a spiral downwards. I'm like, this is trash. But I think he was saying mentally, 
you need to learn to fail because you need to learn how to bounce back. Um, as opposed to like, oh no, now I'm a failure. I feel mm-hmm. now I'm a failure. It's not always the case. Right. And um, what does <laughs> bouncing back from failure looks like to you? Mm. Um, I'm big on, well, like I said, I overthink apparently. Um, <laughs> I'm big on reflecting. So bouncing back from failure is like, all right, I'm not going to fail that way again. You okay. know? So I learned what not to do. Um, and then I might, you know, be honest with myself. Like, you know, maybe you cut a corner here. Maybe you could have done this the entire way. You might have learned a lesson in doing so. So mm-hmm. I just think, back, you know, maybe I just need to go back, master the basics and learn how not to fail. And then if I fail again, it's like, all right, I guess I got to keep going. I've now learned um, that sometimes you have to scrap everything and start over from scratch. And that's okay. Yeah. Whereas like, I used to hate that. Did I answer your question? You did. You did. Because um, I feel like athletes, especially like one, like you're bound for failure. But we all like I've experienced the fear of, fa- um, the fear of failure before. But I do feel like it's important how you handle that, how you bounce mm. back from that. Mm. And a lot of times athletes are told, you know, like put that behind you and make you stronger and then they start acting out of anger and out of frustration and while that does give you that extra drive i feel like that's a way to exhaust yourself so like like in terms of like you know like mental health and athletes i feel like we as coaches and as a society need to teach you know, like better techniques on how to bounce back from failures and use it to grow rather than just, you know, putting on that front of put it behind you and make it push you to go harder type of thing. Mm. I feel like some of that comes from, like Lindsay said earlier, like having the right coaches. Mm -hmm. There's Mm -hmm. certain coaches that are like, if you mess up or you don't win or whatever, like you failed, like that's it. Or like you're saying, having the right people in the corner to say like, all right, this is how we could bounce back from it, learn from it and so on and so forth. You know what I mean? Like losing a game or a race or whatever is not the end all be all. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I mean, I've had a coach. um, I definitely have had a coach that, you know, if you didn't run well, you know, it's, they wouldn't talk to you for like a week or two. Really? Like it was very, um, and I'm not gonna, you know, say any names, but, <laughs> but, but when I, hurts. but I did have like a UConn, I didn't like, I, when I ran the best, like my best, I was at, under a coach that would never do that. Like she was very always, I knew she was always, always going to be there regardless of, right. fi- of success or failure. Um, but I, so as a coach, I'm like, I want to make sure that I, I want to make my athletes run as best as they can. So I know what didn't work for me and I know what worked for me. So I really try to make sure and emphasize that I'm there for the athletes regardless if they succeed or fail. Um, You know, I definitely still, that's a good, like trying to figure out ways on how to teach them how to bounce back or Mm -hmm. different ways. I think that's rather than just saying it or it's like, is different. So um, that's definitely something that I think coaches should all kind of figure out a way to teach their athletes how to bounce back rather than just like verbalize it. But I got you. So my high school wrestling coach, if we went to tournaments, we had tournaments every Saturday. If we went to tournaments and we lost, we knew we were running like all practice on Monday. Like we're going to wrestle on the mats for two, two hours and then we're going to run for an hour straight if we lost. So like to us, we were just like, 
fuck, I don't want to lose. I don't want to lose because I don't want to just run. <laughs> like, my my college coach, guy was a nut. Great coach. Um, he's a nut, right? Um, I think it was my sophomore year. We set, like, the D3 record um, for minutes without allowing a goal, right? Because it was like, even if we won a game, we could have won 5-2, right? For every goal we conceded, we had to run a mile. And it was just one of those, like, I ain't trying to run. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? But it's yeah. also, like, some people respond well to that push, whereas others also, like, yo, we just won this game 5-2. The fuck are we running two miles for? Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think it's, like, finding, and I'm finding now as a coach, like, I know what I responded to, right? But I also know not everybody's me. So it's also some players, like, I can lean into. Mm -hmm. Like, yo, what are you doing? Yada, yada. And some, oh, come here. You need to pat on the yeah. back. Come here. Let me give you yeah. a hug. You know what I mean? But I think it's setting that um, that fact that, like, you know is coming out of love. And I'm, I'm actually here for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, finding that. Because at the end of the day, that fear of failure, if you're going to have it, and this is going to sound messed up, I don't want to add to that pressure. Yeah. Or, like, I don't want that to be... Well, the athlete is already putting pressure on themselves. Right. So there's no reason for a coach to put any more pressure on them. Right. Because they're already nitpicking everything. At the end of the game or end of a race, they're already they're already doing that to themselves. Mm -hmm. Or before, they're already stressed out of their minds. So right. really, everyone around them should just try to be making sure that they're calm and not overthinking anything. So how, so. Do, how do we get to that, though? Because then, like, sometimes it's too lackadaisical. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's like you don't care enough or something, yeah. but like how, cause I get what you're saying. And in a perfect world, it's, that sounds it's definitely an art. No, I think it's definitely like an art. Like I feel like my job for coaching, like coaching is trying to figure out what works for everybody mentally mm -hmm. rather than like, yeah, everyone can run fast reps and fast and run the miles. But really it's like, how can you get them mentally prepared to be on the track? Or, right. Um, and that's usually, like, if they're all in a great mental state, then there are endless possibilities. But right. when, you know, if someone did have a bad race last week, how do you make sure that they are running? Like, they can learn from that and then mm -hmm. move forward. So I do think, like, yeah, I, I coach and they can, um, I could have them run all these miles, but it's really all about learning the individual and right. how they respond to things, like you said. Yeah, you said something great. Great, great coaching is an art. I fully believe that because I've had I've worked for people. I'm like, you suck. <laughs> like, <laughs> you get good results, but like your strategy sucks. Like I don't respond well to this. Um, so then I have to find my own way to motivate myself. Whereas like I've worked for people, I'm like, no, I want to see you succeed. Like I, I believe in you. I want you to do well. It's just gonna push me to do even better. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like I cut you off. Um, as a soccer coach now. Um, how do you handle, say, you know, it's the 60th minute, someone isn't having the best game of their lives, they ain't doing that good, and you have to make that change and sub them out for the greater good of the team, but knowing that that might shatter, you know, that player and how he feels about himself as a player. So the, the thing that I do, whether my players are playing well or playing bad, as they're coming off, I talk to them. Mm -hmm. And... um again depending who the player is and i probably shouldn't say this but like sometimes you gotta lie to them <laughs> yo i didn't take you off because you were playing bad i noticed you needed a rest or yo this player was 
fits better in that matchup. Yo, just get a five-minute rest. You're going back in. You know what I mean? Right. Hey, come here. Let me talk to you. You see that one play? Instead of cutting in, push it down the line. You know what I mean? And the same way I talked shit when I was a player, I do it even more as a coach because I can't get in trouble for it now. <laughs> so now it's like if that kid beats someone down the line and crosses the ball next time, hey, I know something about the game, right? Because they're going to laugh. You yeah. know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, I want you to have a little bit of fun too. Like before every single game, last thing in the huddle I say is have fun. I don't care. We've I've won a championship year. That's the last thing I said. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like you're coming off the field. Hey, boom, try this. Or I didn't take you off because at the end of the day, I know as soon as I sub you off, you're already thinking, what did I do wrong? I've had kids on hat tricks, right? Subbing them off. Why are you taking me out? Like they think they did something wrong, even though they didn't, you know? Right. Sometimes you just got to tell them what they want to hear. So that communication is important. Communication is super important, you know, or what they don't want to hear. If a kid can handle it, yo, here's what you did wrong. Try this, yada, 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 whatever. Um, but it's all about how you tell them what you're trying to convey to them. I don't know if you think that. I don't know if I should have said lie to them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I think that's accurate. You need to, like, I mean, first of all, communication is, and how you communicate things is, is important. Um, but facts, yeah, <laughs> facts. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think just figuring out what you can say to them, like if you can be like just straight up with them and mm -hmm. being like, you screwed up here, you need to like or here, and you next time we need to do this. There's some people that can really handle that, but there's right. some people that you need to really be like, really kind of bait, not like baby it, but like just kind of say it softer mm -hmm. and say but hey we have next week we're gonna do it you know right. next week and if we put all these things together you're gonna be great in the following week so um i just think there's there's ways that you can say it but you have to say it differently to people right yeah. um and i just like even really thinking back to this season i would literally like hey he's about to do a step over like because i would do that when i would play and like really just getting in their heads and letting them know like yo i'm right there with you you know what i mean like Hey, great. We've scored goals. I'm running to the corner flag with the guys. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm one of those. I'm only 29. Like, I'm just as excited as you guys are. I wish I was still out there. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's one of those things, letting them know, like, like, yo, I'm right there with you in the wins and the losses and, like, taking ownership of those losses. Mm -hmm. I remember my first um, year coaching at Bloomfield. I coached, I've played at such a high level that I forgot I had to coach these kids how to do kickoffs. You know what I mean? Like, you would think it's so yeah. simple. Right. But we literally started to kick off. Striker played the center mid. Center mid played the center back. He tried to play. Striker came and just took it off his foot and scored. At halftime, I was like, you know what? I'm not even mad at you guys because I forgot I had to teach you that. That's But that's on me. I'm the coach. I'm supposed to prepare you with that. Shows I'm human. And it shows I'm mm -hmm. like, all right, I'm not going to kill you for everything. You know what I mean? And now they know they could trust me and... And yada yada, all that, that cute stuff. Um, I was say, at least you acknowledge your fuck up. No, nah, because it's, it's real now. <laughs> five, ten games into the season, y'all still doing that shit. That's on y'all. You know, like, I don't know what to tell you. Um, but that's why, like, earlier I was asking, like, the level of, you know, like, like competition we're dealing right. with. Because at the professional level now where everyone, like, you should know how to play your position. You should know how to play soccer. And I'm not taking away the fact that coaches still have to coach a team and have tactics and all that but it's almost like 
it gets to a place where it's it's cutthroat. It's like expected. you know what I mean? Like like this player messed this up, they got a guy right behind you, ready to come in and fill that spot. So that level of pressure is different. And that's mm-hmm. where I feel like, you know, like the pressures you feel from a mental side in sports can even go up more. Like once you start playing premier, college, professional, because you know that just that like sense of security isn't there anymore you know that lack of control that um yeah like like all those things come in one and knowing that there's a guy right behind you it ready be for gone your spot in one day right yeah so it's just like it's almost it's almost hard for a coach to make every player feels like he has their back if that makes sense because there's that business side of it right now yeah i, I don't think it's I got your back. I think it's I got y'all back. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, this ain't about Rashawn, Lindsey, or Spencer. This is about bigger than goals FC. You get what, like, you know? I also think it's a little different when you're at, like, a professional. Right. You know, it's like this is your job um, Mm -hmm. than just, like, maybe a high school or or college as well. Um, I think different levels have different, like, I mean, obviously you want a coach to still support you, but I think it's a little different. but I think the one of the biggest things where I get frustrated and I, I'm for you, I don't like when coaches don't take responsibility. So mm-hmm. like with running, like if you're if your athletes are tired in a race and they looked all tired, it's not their fault. It is absolutely like um, the coaches like also like it's also my fault too. So right. we had a race this season, one of the biggest races um, where. We went out to Wisconsin, um, and we we ran against some of, like, top 20 in the country, and we were ranked around there, but we all looked so just tired, and I was like, it really, and they all looked tired, and it wasn't their fault. It was definitely, like, let's look back at training. Like, right. what did I do with them that made them this tired? Um, so that's my, like, one of the things. That I never want to fully blame an athlete on a, on a, on a race. Right. Um, Sometimes in different situations, <laughs> you, you might, but usually it is more of like a teamwork. So mm-hmm. it's, it's on both you guys, not just the athlete. So as a professional athlete, is this a lot of, because you, you said something that's actually really important. Everyone is as good as you. Like you're all professionals. Someone's gunning mm-hmm. for your spot. So does your training show up? when everyone's on the field or do you have to do things on your own like how are you how are you making sure that you keep your job yeah yeah um you definitely got to do things on your own um you know every guy has what works for them if after but i kind of feel like if after training you wake up in the morning at what is it whatever time you wake up but you have training at 9 a.m finish at 11 and then if the rest of your days is consist of going home and chilling and going about your life, I just feel like you won't be able to keep up with everyone the next day. Like you gotta be doing your recovery at night. You gotta be making sure that you're eating the proper food, you're getting extra touches, working on whatever it is you need to work on to make sure that you continue to keep your level and raise your level at the same time. I'm glad you said that because one of the things I admire most about Kobe and everyone's like, yo, Kobe doesn't pass the ball. Kobe doesn't pass the ball. He said in the interview, 
Why would I pass you the ball? I practice three times a day, three hours at a clip, and you show up late to practice. You're not getting the ball. The ball, the ball's better in my head. You know? yeah. Um, so yeah, no, that, that's real. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, with running, they can't do it. Like I, like. Um, that's probably a lot of recovery. Yeah, it's more like. The more you can just go home and sit on your butt, <laughs> the better. Oh. After, like, obviously, like, af- at practice, there's a lot of, you know, working out um, and, and running. And then once you go home, you just need to eat and sit. But what if and they're, you know, like, taking that extra step to foam roll and stretch at night type yeah. of thing, you know, like, Usually, keeping them. Yeah, I think... Um, Obviously, foam rolling and recovery things is important, but a lot of times we do that at pra- like at practice. But okay. there's always like we do pool twice a week or just to make sure people are you know not getting tight. You know we have those like 20 minutes after practice where we run through a whole cool down, um, and we have these like blocks where that recovery is is there. But then yeah, you can go an extra step where. Um, you know, maybe doing stretching and stuff before bed and making sure you're hydrating and making sure you're properly fueling. You um, said something. I mean, we've been chopping it up almost an hour now. Um, so I want to ask one more question before we get to the end. You said something about, like, physical fatigue, right? So how do you, I, even as a coach, and I know that's really tough, and as a player, stop from, like, mental and physical, like, burnout and fatigue? That because like for me, and this is definitely something I got to stop. Even as a coach, it's like Sunday. I should already know what training is going to look like Monday through Friday, mm-hmm. you know, or games, yada yada, whatever. But sometimes it's like, damn, right now I'm working a job, doing a podcast, and then going to practice. So it's like I might be on my way to practice. Like, all right, we could do this drill, yada, yada and just mm-hmm. planning stuff as opposed to like being prepared. And then it's one of those things <laughs> of like. Once the season's done, it's like, damn, like, I know I'm going to miss it, but I'm happy it's done because that was six days a week. In your case, might be more. Mm-hmm. You're traveling all over. So it's diff- and playing as well. So how do you guys stop from, like, mental and somewhat physical burnout and fatigue? Um, for me, there's knowing when to take a break, listening to my body. But the biggest thing for me is, you know, like, my little practices, like, my yoga my meditation, reading a book, just being able to take my mind off of what's going on in the um, beginning. I use that example of the hourglass coming mm-hmm. in, like I'm here and I'm coming in and it's time for competition time. Then after that, I need to get back to here I like where that. I could kind of just release everything, give myself a break before it's time to, you know, go to the gym at night or something like that, where I got to get back into my zone. Not as much as on a day where you have game days or Mm -hmm. training the next morning, but just, you know, like having those things and being able to find joy outside of your sport as well. Because I feel like as athletes, a lot of times, especially like speaking for myself personally, especially when I first became a professional, it was like, oh, you're a professional soccer player now. So rather than being Rashawn Daly, I felt like I'm a professional soccer player. And, you know, your identity gets put into that. And like I was saying earlier, too, there's that lack of, you know, security with being a pro athlete, lack of control, all these things. So you have to kind of 
remind yourself who you actually are like that. and be who you actually are so you can separate yourself from that do the things you enjoy hang out with your mm-hmm. friends and yeah that kind of you know recharges you a bit still get to be a human mm-hmm. right you know yeah i think like right now i don't live near campus or anything so i think it's really nice that i can like separate my <laughs> like because uh, when I lived in Iowa, I lived, like, right on campus. So there was, like, no separation. Um, but now I feel like I have, like, my own life in Hartford. And then I can go to work and, and be, like, a coach and hand, and, and be there. Um, but, yeah, I think that helps being able to, like, kind of separate yourself. Um, and then, I like, coaching in general, like, my summers are pretty flexible. Mm-hmm. Like, I travel a lot for, like, recruiting purposes. But... That's really the time when um, everything's really flexible. You don't have to be in the office. So I think that's a really good time to recharge. But I think the biggest thing is, like, when people ask me, like, you asked me earlier if this is my full-time job. Someone asked me that the other day, and I was just like, I work so like I work so many hours. <laughs> and people ask me, is this my full-time job? Because I don't think people think coaching – like, when you say coaching, some people don't really – Everything that goes into it. Yeah, people just think, oh, what do you mm-hmm. do all day? Something, sometimes my athletes ask me that. Like, what are you doing all day? I'm like, I actually do a lot. Like, who who plans all these trips? And who does all this, like, the recruiting, the fundraising, the alumni stuff? The, like, I'm like, I, so it's just funny. Like, who does the camps? Like, yeah. um, but it's just that, that question. I've, I've been asked that a few times in the last, like, month. And I'm like, hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> 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 um, but, yeah, um, I definitely take advantage of the summers. I hear you. I hear you. Um, well, shit. I mean, we've been talking damn near an hour. Um, we like to end every show with your 15 seconds of fame. Um, so you could, it doesn't have to do anything. doesn't have to be anything to do with what we just spoke about. It could be your shout outs, your plugs, your whatever. Um, it also doesn't have to be 15 seconds. You could just take how much time you need. Mm-hmm. And then we'll wrap. Cool. So we start that way and then that way. Um, yeah, so thank you guys for having me here. Thanks this, for that uh, gift, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> is that your brand on your shirt? Uh, yes, this is my brand, uh, Rule of Sports Empowerment. It's a company I found um, a couple months ago that aims to give athletes a platform to not only be the best athlete they can, but take care of the person as a whole. Um, so that includes their mental well-being, uh, spiritual, uh, spirituality, and the physical side of things. So um, I'm really excited about that. And, yeah, shout out to my family, everyone who supports me. Shout out to you guys. Thank you for having me here. Appreciate really you, brother. Appreciate Coming. y'all. Sweet. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, shout out to – so I run with the – track club in Hartford, Heartbeat Track Club, which helps me still compete in still a competitive way and keep training. And then shout out to my UConn squad because they make me love what I do. Lovely. Nice. Big guy. Um, that should be the way you introduce yourself. Big guy. Sorry, I just... Move it on. Well, first, shout out to y'all for coming. We definitely appreciate it. This was a great episode. Um... And going based on something you said earlier is routine is powerful. So if you're going to do something, do it always. Um, Oftentimes, and I'm guilty of this, I'll start something, I'll do it for 30 days, 60 days, six months, 
and then I'll think, ah, I don't need to do that anymore. I've already, I've already been doing it. I'm good, and I'll transition to something else. So, um, yeah, if you're going to do something, do it always. Does that mean you're coming back to the gym? I'll go to a gym. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, thank you guys for coming. Um, this was great. I've been wanting to do something for uh, mental health with athletes for a while. So, appreciate you guys blessing the podcast. You're always welcome back. Um, my 15 seconds of fame is you can't always choose your battlefield. So be prepared for unfavorable conditions and circumstances to thrive and be the best you. Um, so with all that being said, this is the first episode of season six. We're kicking it off for the best podcast in CT. And that's a wrap. Season six. <laughs>